So a few weeks ago, I was in Germany with my parents, and we were a couple days into the trip, and they decided that because they are old, they needed to go get a massage because the trip was really long and their muscles were aching. And I decided, well, because I'm not old, I'm not going to go get a massage. Instead, I'm going to do the youthful thing, what the youths are doing these days, and I'm going to go read a novel in the park, okay? Because I am a spring chicken. I am youth, okay? And so that's what I decided to do. But we're in a foreign country. We need to be able to meet each other again. My parents are awful at Google Maps, guys. It was terrible, okay? And so I was like, okay, we need to meet right back here in one hour. When you're done with your massage, you come here, I'll come meet you. And it was in the city center in Munich. And they're like, okay. So they go off, they do their thing, I do mine. Now this hour that I spent in this park, it was magical, okay? I had my book, the weather was beautiful. To my left, there was this beautiful display of flowers. Right in front of me, there's just these steeples of these churches and the bells keep going, but not like in an annoying way and like a magical fairy princess way, okay? To my right, there were a couple of American bulldogs. Have you guys seen American bulldogs? Oh my gosh. They're so cute. So I just kept watching them and I had a European Coke, okay? Now guys, something about a European Coke, it is so much better than American Coke. Now I'm not gonna stand up here and be like, oh my gosh, Europe was amazing. Like it's so much better than America in every single way. Like I'm so changed. It's not, guys. America is the best. It really is. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. And you guys, Americans, we're awesome, okay? We are literally the best. I'm sorry, I said it, okay? I went to a lot of countries. We're the best, okay? But I was enjoying the Coke. They've got us on Coke, okay? The drink, all right? So we'll give them that. So I was enjoying all of that. The hour ended, I reluctantly left my place at the park to meet my parents. Well, in the hour that we were gone, there began some type of political rally or protest in the city center in our meetup spot. Now, this was, this was sketchy, okay? There were thousands of people there was an angry German person standing on a stage screaming into the microphone. Now, all Germans sound angry, but this one sounded particularly so, okay? They were holding up signs. They were chanting. They were screaming. I don't speak German, but I swear I heard the word Nazi. Like, I'm not exaggerating. I heard that over and over again. But even more so alarming was the presence and the sheer volume of policemen. Okay? In America, I see a police officer, I feel safe. In Germany, that's not the case, okay? Their guns are huge and they are everywhere. As if they felt that at any moment, this rally were about to become a riot. And here I am, alone, watching all of this take place. Now, I'm supposed to meet my parents and five minutes go by, there's no sign of them. And I'm giving myself a little pep talk, right? Madeline, you're not allowed to panic yet. Have you ever said that to yourself? You can't panic yet. But then 10 minutes go by. And suddenly in my mind, I am an orphan. 
right? My parents are dead. It's some type of frozen situation. I'll never see them again. I'm stuck in a foreign country and they won't let me come back because for some reason the Americas think that I killed my parents. I don't know. Like I'm just snowballing and there's a riot happening to my side. So I'm like, okay, I've only texted them. You haven't even called them. Get a grip, Madeline. So I call them and I am so relieved when they answer the phone because again, I thought that they were dead. And I was like, where are you guys? We were supposed to meet here like 15 minutes ago. And they're like, oh, we just wanted another 30 minutes of our massage. And we forgot to let you know. Only my parents, Tim and Rebecca Roseberry, would leave their young daughter in a foreign country by herself during a political riot for an extra 30 minutes of massage, okay? Only my parents would do that, but it's fine. I'm fine, I survived, I made it back, and I still haven't forgiven them, okay? But here's the thing about this story, <laughs> is it, it was some adversity in my life, and I haven't faced a lot of it, I'll be very honest with you, okay? So it was really good for me, but also it gave me some perspective to what it feels like to not be comfortable. I have been born and raised in Grand Junction. I haven't left it a ton, and I feel comfortable here. I know the language. I know the people. I know the culture, and I know which streets to walk down by myself and which streets not to. You guys know it too, right? It's comfortable here. But when you go to other places, it's not. It's not familiar. In fact, it can be kind of scary sometimes, making you feel alone, maybe even surrounded. Now, no one knows this better than our main characters in our story tonight. You might recognize them. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, these men, they are super, super well-known for their trip into the fiery furnace. Have you guys heard this classic Sunday school tale? Yes, we have, right? So they're the ones that got thrown into a fiery furnace. But that's not where their story begins. They didn't just come out of the womb full-grown manly men, godly men, right? They had to start someplace, somewhere. And tonight, I wanted to tell that point of the story. Because these boys, when they were very, very young, we don't know exactly how old, but younger than you guys, they were taken from their home. They grew up in comfortability. They were in Israel. They knew the customs. They knew the cultures. They worshiped the Jewish God, which is also our God, and they felt safe there. But a young age, the Babylonians came and they took over Israel. And when they did this, they conquered it. They took all of the Israelites as slaves back to their own country. And this is scary. Think being a kid and having someone remove you from your family, from your home, but even more so, from what you know into a place where you understand nothing. The language, the culture, where you are, scary. And this king, this Babylonian king, he said, okay, the majority of these people that I just conquered, you guys are gonna become slaves. I'm gonna sell you as slaves. But there's a handful of you, a select few that are gifted, that are talented. You guys are the AP kids, okay? You're going to come with me to my kingdom, and I'm going to teach you things. You are going to live in the kingdom. You are going to dress as if you live there. You are going to be educated by me and my people, and you are going to eat the food that I feed you. You will be treated very, very well. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
are three of these people that are selected for this position. Now, better than slavery, but still very scary. They didn't have a choice in the matter. They still belonged to the king. And now they had to try and learn something that was very, very foreign to them. Now, they had a choice when they did this. They could say, all right, fresh start, new page. I am no longer an Israelite. I'm no longer Jewish. I am going to absorb the customs of Babylonians and become one of them. Or they could say, no, I know who my God is. I know what he's done for me, and I will not stray from that path. And they were faced with this decision, oddly enough, when it came to food. Now, we love food. Babylonians also love food. And so they had these big feasts, tons and tons of food, as much as people could eat. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they couldn't just eat whatever they wanted because they were Jewish. And they had food laws and meant that certain foods could defile them. And so these basically glorified slaves went to the person that was above them and asked for different food. Now, these guys, they had no favor with this guy. He had no idea who they were. If they caused any sort of inconvenience, they could have been killed right there on the spot. And yet they risked it because they wanted to continue to obey and honor their God just as they had in their previous home in this new one. And somehow, some way, the guy says, all right, we'll give you different food so that you can continue to go along with the culture of your people. Now, why is this important? Well, context is everything. And remember, those men that faced that fiery furnace, they didn't just come out that way. They started somewhere. And I believe it was with this choice where they said, I'm not going to turn my back on what I know to be true. I'm not going to turn my back on my faith or my God. And they made that choice as teenagers, the same exact age as you guys are now, they were resolved, resolved to continue to honor and obey their God. So we fast forward a few years and this king decides that he's going to build a 90 foot statue made of gold. Why? I don't know. He was compensating for something, some type of insecurity. Okay. And so he decides, okay, I'm going to make this really, really tall statue because I am macho and I am all that is man. Hear me roar. And he's like, okay, all of my subjects, you have to bow down to this statue whenever certain music plays throughout the day. Each of you must bow. Now, Babylonians, they're like, sure. Just add it to the long, long list of gods that we already worship. No big deal. For them, it's another god. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this was a big deal. Because they were resolved to only honor and only obey their own god. And so the king calls all these people. He says, all right, guys, it's time to bow. And everyone, thousands of Babylonians get down on their knees. And the only three people still standing up is these three teenagers, maybe close to man. How scary is that? How big of a deal is that? But they knew God's word. They knew the second commandment that said, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. They knew this law and they were unwilling to turn their backs on it. No matter how much pressure there was, no matter how fearful they might have been, they said, I will honor 
and I will obey. Now, did you catch when they're supposed to bow to this God? It's when certain music plays. Now, this is kind of a side note, but I didn't want to go any further without addressing it. The fact that they have to bow down and worship when music plays, this is not a coincidence. There is a connection between music and worship, and it's inextricably linked. From when God created us and music from the very, very beginning, he always intended music to be a way in a form of worship for him. So why am I telling you this? Because worship, one, is important. But two, there's a lot of music out there right now that is the farthest thing from God worship that there possibly could be. In fact, there's a lot of music out there right now that is actually Satan worship. And I know that that sounds dramatic and kind of jarring, but they're not even trying to hide it. It's not even subtle. If you watch Sam Smith and his performance on some MTV thing, if you listen to his lyrics of Unholy, it is disgusting, it is despicable, and it is absolutely worshiping and honoring Satan. If you listen to Doja Cat, I know she's got some fun songs that have great beats. If you listen to the music, if you listen to the lyrics, it is absolutely 100%. She's not even trying to hide worshiping the devil. So am I saying you can't listen to music that's not worship music? No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is you need to be aware of what is out there. Guys, it's not just a cool beat. And even if you don't sing along to the words and even if you don't mean them, it still is 100% honoring and glorifying not just a fake God, but literally the devil using something that God created as a means to worship him. How messed up and how gross is that? And so what I'm saying is please pay attention. You can listen to secular music. Of course, I do all the time, but please watch out. Please listen to the words that you are singing out and keep balance and wisdom in mind. So with that side note, we'll get back to the story. So the music plays and everyone bows down except for these three men. Daniel 3, 13 through 18 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king, he flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, the king said to them, Is it true? that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I have set up, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what will God be able to rescue from my power? They replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. I kind of like that. It's a little condescending to him. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. That last part is so powerful and it catches me every time, even if. He will rescue us from your power, but even if. He doesn't. Man, that's some faith. Now, you're probably wondering, well, why would they say that? These guys are obviously super strong in their faith. Why even put the even if in there? Why wouldn't they just say, I know without a shadow of a doubt that my God will come and rescue me? 
Well, it's because these three men understood the difference between belief and faith. And in our culture, these things are synonymous. We think belief and faith are the same exact thing. But there is an important distinction that this verse points out. See, simple belief might say, he is able, he is good, I am his favorite, so he will get me out of this. But faith is different. Faith is more than simply believing that God is able. Faith is trusting that God is faithful, whether or not he does what I want him to. Faith is trusting that God is faithful, whether or not he does what I want him to. See, wholehearted faith, it doesn't demand from God. It trusts God. Demanding is very, very different. Demanding God asks for God's power and my plan. It's the two things together. God, I want you to save me, and this is how I want you to do it. That's not faith. That's not trusting in him. That's saying, hey, I need your power to come and save me. Please, thanks. Whereas faith is saying, God, I know that you can do it, and I also trust how you're going to. And that's what these men had. Daniel 3, 19 through 23 says, the king was so furious with these men that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up. They threw them into the furnace. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace. The flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't have the benefit of knowing what happens next. They didn't have the benefit of knowing how the story ends just as we did from Sunday school. They had no idea what was going to happen. And I think that if I were them, I would have never had expected to even make it to those flames. If I had faith in God, I would have kept thinking, you know what? He's going to come through. He's going to save me. And he is going to make sure that we never even have to get near that furnace. The king will change his mind. Daniel will come from nowhere and rescue the day. The king will take mercy on us. We won't even have to face that furnace. That's what I would have assumed. But they were thrown into the fire. They did have to go into those flames. They really expected God to save them, but I don't think they would have ever been able to predict the way that he did it. Daniel 3, 24 through 30 says, but suddenly the king jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, the king shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then the king came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officials, officers, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw the fire hadn't touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't 
even smell of smoke. There was another in the fire. Three men were thrown in, and somehow the king saw four standing in the flames. Many biblical scholars believe that Jesus was the fourth man in this fire, personally protecting these three men. See, God didn't stop them from having to go through the fire, but he protected them in it, and he promises to do the same for us. What these men display, this is real, authentic faith. It's not just belief. Being comfortable with the even if, that's faith. Understanding that God can absolutely come through for you, but it might not be in the way that you expect, and that's okay. Now, you may have more in common with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego than you may have thought. See, like them, you might feel uncomfortable, unsafe, different, misunderstood within your school, within your home. Maybe you're the only believer in your family. Maybe you're the only believer in your home. Maybe you feel like you're one of the only Christians in your school that really has a relationship with Jesus. That can make you feel isolated and so alone. And you will face moments where you will have the option to hide among the crowd, to bow down in order to avoid sticking out, where you can consume what everyone else does in order to fit in. You can do that. You can turn your back. You can pretend like you don't have that faith to stay safe. Or you can be resolved. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were at your exact age, Be resolved now and say, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it may be, I will honor and obey God. It doesn't matter if I endanger my reputation or my popularity, I will honor and obey God. That is true faith. Believing that God can come through for you, but being comfortable with how he chooses to do it as you face that fire. Being all in even when things get hard. Being comfortable with the even if. And I pray that that sort of faith will be what replaces whatever belief it is that's currently there. Can I ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? It says in the Bible that faith is actually a spiritual gift. And spiritual gifts are given to us as soon as we receive the Holy Spirit. And so the same gift of faith was in these men, is in each and every one of us now. And so I wanted to bless us tonight with that faith and remind you that it's already inside of us. So dear, dear Jesus, we just open our hearts to you right now. And we just ask you to embolden us and strengthen us. A lot of times when we go to these different places, we feel like we're the odd one out. We can feel misunderstood, like we're all alone, like no one understands. And a lot of times that can cause us to want to just hide, to want to just bow down along with everybody else and go along with whatever the culture and the world says. But Jesus, we know that you have so much more for us and that the world right now is in desperate need of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's who will stand up and say, I believe, I have faith. And even if things don't go exactly as I plan, 
I know that what God has for me is so much better anyway. And so Jesus, I just pray right now that you bless every single one of these students in this room, whether they've known you for years and years and years or just a matter of days. Bless them, God, with true and authentic faith. The type of faith that isn't circumstantial, the type of faith that doesn't falter when faced with fire, but one that is refined and strengthened by it. We trust you and we know that your will will always be better than whatever we have planned. And so we submit to it now, God, and we say your will be done, your kingdom come in our homes, in our schools, in our lives. Bless these students with the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.